I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align podcast. Our brains can handle an enormous number of variables that are not accessible to the process of conscious attention. Your brain is now handling or your total nervous system, to be more accurate, your blood chemistry, the secretions from your glands, the behavior of millions of cells. It is doing all that without thinking about it. That is to say, without translating the processes it is handling into consciously reviewed words, symbols, or numbers. Now, when I use the word thinking, I mean precisely that process, translating what is going on in nature into words, symbols, or numbers. Of course, both words and numbers are kinds of symbols. Symbols bear the same relation to the real world that money bears to wealth. You cannot quench anybody's thirst with the word water, just as you cannot eat a dollar bill and derive nutrition from it. Welcome back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have my buddy, Dr. Andrew Galpin, on the show. Uh, Andy is a tenured professor at the Center for Sports Performance at CSU Fullerton. He has his master's degree in human movement sciences, and he's got a PhD in human bioenergetics. Uh, really rad conversation in this discussion. We get into uh, all sorts of great stuff. How to start tapping into our autonomic nervous system, uh, how to lose fat more effectively, and what it actually means to lose fat at a kind of a deeper cellular level. Um, highly recommend checking out his website, andygalpin.com. And uh, some of the things there has like this really cool series called the Five Minute Physiology, Twenty Five Minute Physiology, where he breaks down the intimate details of all of these processes happening inside of our body. I wish I had a resource like this when uh, you know I don't know maybe 15 years ago or so. I would have loved it. So uh, check it out. Hope you enjoy it. And so the more carbon I eat, the bigger I get. The less carbon I eat, the smaller I get. And so if I'm looking to get smaller, I do a combination of two things. I ingest less carbon and I breathe out as much as I possibly can. So when we understand that basic relationship and we get to something very practical, okay, what, what, what's the perfect program for weight loss? Anything that makes you breathe more. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit. And you will find 10% off on uh, Four Sigmatic mushroom products. Um, jump over to foursigmatic.com slash align, F-O-U-R, sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash align for 10% off any of your tea or coffee infused with uh, all sorts of delicious mushroom blends. Um, you can get I have one of the ones that I use before any type of like movement, exercise, movement, whatever stuff, uh, would be the Cordycep blend um, as well. Morning time, I tend to utilize the Chaga, Lion's Mane. Um, all of them are good. You're not going to go wrong with any of them. Tim Ferriss is getting down on those guys. Uh, Sean Stevenson, all sorts of great people uh, approve for Sigmatic, so highly recommend checking them out. I have a quote. Quote for the day is from Mr. Einstein. Perhaps people have heard of him. Um, Albert Einstein, happy man is too satisfied with the present to dwell too much on the future. I find that quite interesting. I feel like I could do a direct one-to-one chart on uh, my level of satisfaction with my day, with my, you know, my, myself, my life, whatever. Uh, based off of the amount of times I look at social media or check my email or all these things. If we're really enjoying the moment, whatever we're doing, what we're really excited about doing, being that flow state, 
right? Or being connecting with people or you know, movement or music or whatever your art may be, you don't give a darn about checking your Facebook and your Twitter and such. And so I would love to see folks, um, myself, I guess, but everybody really tapping into uh, what, what makes them forget about social media, what makes them forget about planning for the future. And uh, Albert Einstein seemed to find that important. Um, thanks so much for uh, reviews on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it and um, helps to spread the show and I greatly value them. Um, thank you so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the website. That is super supportive for the podcast. Um, it's on the right hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Please and thank you. Uh, jump onto their bookmark it. If you or any of your friends utilize Amazon at any point to buy any crap, uh, por favor, buy your crap through that and then Align Podcast Foundation gets about 7%. Somebody out there bought a, what do you call it a, a, a jules sous vide sous vide some type of cooking mechanism where you're like I, I don't actually know what it is exactly but it looks interesting cost 200 bucks we got like 14 dollars off that it's really exciting um so thank you thank you again for utilizing that guy and thanks for tuning in thanks for spreading the show thanks for doing your thing um here we go back to the shizzy with the good doctor andy galpin Line podcast. You have a pretty special niche of work where you went to school for bioenergetics, was it? Yeah. What was your background with that? And what's like a day at work look like for you? So uh, I've got a PhD in human bioenergetics. Uh, I've got a master's degree in human movement science and then a bachelor's in exercise science. Uh, and so my full time job is is to be a scientist and a teacher. So I'm a college professor. So my days are a little bit different depending on either, uh, like yesterday was a lab day. So we had biopsies all morning. So we're taking biopsies from people's legs. Um, and then kind of some afternoon meetings and then writing at night. Some days I teach all day. Um, some days it's just writing all day. So it's really kind of a combination of those two. Cool. Yeah. The, um, one of the things I find interesting with you that you, you have the opportunity to like take biopsies out of people's yeah. legs and see muscle from just a totally different perspective than what, you yeah. know, maybe we read about every once in a while, but what we're reading about is coming from what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Can yeah. you kind of get into like, what's, what's that look like? Like pulling tissue out of legs. Like what's the point of all that? It looks like ahi tuna. Yeah. Right. I know. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> And it looks really, really small. It's for me. It's very, very interesting because, like you said, it kind of gives you the trump card. So when, when I always kind of laugh when people say like, "Oh, muscle does this or muscle does this," and I'm like, "You've never seen it, right?" You know, it's not, not not the attitude I'm having. Of course, um, I do not have. I do my best, anyways. I think to have the anti-elitist attitude in terms of, "Oh, you have a PhD. Oh, you're a scientist. Like you trump everything." Yeah. Like not even remotely close. But in that kind of little area, I kind of do. Yeah. Um, so it's just fun, though. It's nice for me because there's just no more guesswork in a lot of the things we do. Mm. Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from people like yourself, from other practitioners who bring up ideas. And I'm like, man, I just never considered it work that way. Mm. And I draw inspiration the other way, too, where we can find stuff and go, hey, guys, I'm, I think what you're saying is nonsense because we're not seeing anything like that in the lab. Or what you're saying is true. There's something here. But we're going in the wrong direction. So for me, it, it's, it's inspiration on both sides. And it's just nice to be able to say, when I kind of got in the field, it was like, look, there's a lot of people in the space I came from, which was generally a strength conditioning background. There was a lot of people in that area already that were making claims about training modalities or recovery or, or you pick you know, your topic. Yeah. But there was just no one really coming from the other side. And so it wasn't, it's not a trumping issue. It's not a better than, it's just saying, well, I think already people are, are really smart in those areas and they're really good. And I, I guess I could just get in line, but people are already really good there. I don't think I can contribute anything unique and novel to the world in this area, but maybe I can in, in this side. Yeah. And I can maybe add information because I'm coming at these questions from the same place that other people are coming at the questions as practitioners and not coming at these research questions for the sake of making sure I land my next grant. Right. And so I felt like I can contribute differently and I could do things that people really cared about and was very interesting. And personally, I found really exciting um, to answer questions. So 
it's fun in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So from looking at the ahi tuna that is, you know, some fast twitch or that's actually yeah. an interesting question that I have that I was, I was pondering on last night. You know, we think of, of, you know, like slow twitch fibers and then we have like the fast twitch mm-hmm. type 2A, fast twitch type 2B, and then we have the hybrid and then we have, you know, I'm probably saying that language incorrectly. Yeah, you are. That's okay. Right. So, so tell me, so break all that down. But it seems to me like it's, there's not as much of like a hard delineation there as what we like to think from the yeah. textbooks. It's kind of merges and blends like everything else in, you know, yeah. our lives. I don't remember the exact quote because I'm terrible at remembering quotes. I'm horrible at it. Yeah, me too. But there was something that I saw recently that the, it gets the point of saying, look, every system is wrong, but some of them are useful, mm-hmm. right? And so it is useful to categorize your automobile. Okay, there are cars and there are trucks. Okay, well, then what's a hybrid? What's uh, an El Camino? Like what, and then when, if you start getting deeper and deeper, you realize, well, there are no cars and trucks. There's just... 300,000 different types of automobiles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, fibers would be the same way. And so if we wanted just a very easy system, we could say they're, they're fast and slow twitch. What did I say wrong? I said slow twitch. So we don't have two, two we don't have two B. Oh, did I say two B? Yeah. You have, you have two A, which you said correctly. Yeah. And you said there are two B. We don't have two B. <sighs> mice have two B. We have two X though. You say mice have two B? Yeah. So that's partially correct. Well, we're not mice. <laughs> so you're not partially correct. Oh, right, <laughs> so mice, rodents have one, two A, two B, and two X. So they have an additional one, which is where that confusion came from. But you're yeah. right in terms of we have the hybrids. And so to really answer your question, the point is, it is probably pretty silly for us to think about there being different fiber types. It's really just one big continuum. So there are those that are the slowest that have the most resistance to fatigue. Yeah. And there are those that are the fastest, but that have the least production of energy. Everything else is just somewhere in between. Yeah. And we see tremendous plasticity within that. So you are certainly born with a certain range, but you have a lot of wiggle room within that range in every direction. It can go fast to slow, slow to fast, up and down. And everything you do, in fact, a paper came out recently, um, two papers that I like to highlight this one. One came out showing that their fiber type can change in as little as 14 days of disuse. So... Now, these people were literally laying in a bed for 14 days, literally not moving, which is probably pretty extreme for most people. But it does show that this is the plasticity your body has, is it can move that quickly if you really just go horizontal for two weeks. Yeah. We see a noticeable change. And then another paper came out um, uh, maybe two years ago now showing changes in fiber type with a high-fat, high-sugar diet. And so people have known, at least people that pay attention, that your fiber type can change with your training or your physical activity. But the diet is one thing we kind of overlooked. Uh, and interesting, when that group supplemented with resveratrol, the micronutrient, the phytochemical, um, that changed the fiber type alteration. And so I think it really highlights, yes, it can change. It can change very quickly. It changes in response to your training, to your lifestyle in general. Uh, and it changes to a magnitude that is significant for how your muscle will function. Um, the question, the bigger question then is, then what's the point of even categorizing them? And, and we haven't really answered that question. We don't really know. We just, we know it's a lot more plastic than than previously thought. Yeah. For people, so we're, we're talking about um, different classifications of, of, of muscle fibers and also yeah. just connective tissue fibers in general. Do you see any of those classifications in connective tissue, like fascia or not at all? Is this all no. like muscle belly stuff? All, all fascia is fascia. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's no different types. Well, I mean, it's not all the same. Like the, the connective tissue that's surrounding the individual muscle fibers is not the same as the connective tissue that cut, turns into a tendon. Yeah. Like that's different. But um, as, as far as I know, that there's not like a certain type of those, but their function is absolutely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the connective tissue around, but the, the, you wouldn't, you couldn't categorize them as like fast twitch or slow twitch. My understanding, like I'm not, I'm, I, this is something I haven't read for maybe like six months and I need, now I'm like, I need to re-engage, but um, from my understanding, there's there's contractory tissue in fascia as oh, well. Oh, you're talking about um, um, the non-contractile uh, in the belly of the tissue. Sure. So not the connective tissue. What you're talking about is, uh, oh, am I losing the term right now? It's uh, muscle spindles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, those are muscle fibers that are non-contractile. They don't even possess, well, they have some, but not many of the proteins that you actually use to cause contraction. They're sensory organs. 
(laughs) So what they do in particular is that they sense stretch. And so they sit in the middle of your muscle, and when they're stretched, they send a signal to your spinal cord most of the time that comes back, and it tells the surrounding muscle fibers around them to contract. And that falls under the general term of proprioception, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's how that feedback loop works. That's what keeps you from, if you stand on one leg and you start falling to the left, that tissue that's been stretched says, okay, we're falling to the left, come back and contract so that pulls you back to the right yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so all that, you know, the, the muscle spindles and the mechanoreceptors and mm-hmm. the, the, that sensory tissue that we have throughout our body, I think it's easy to think of it as being just like this kind of mindless computer. Right. You know, and it's just like, yeah, right. Golgi tendons. And I'm I'm saying a bunch of like unnecessary words that we can maybe break down as far as like all these guys are, which I would like to get into just basic like Uh classifications, what that means. But a bigger conversation that I have interest in terms aside is being able to start to speak to that more like autonomic stuff or what we may think of as being autonomic. Yeah. Do you have any sense on that? Like how to start hacking? Well, the, the, the sense I have on it is, um, to hack it, absolutely not. Uh, I'm just well, that's wrong, just a silly, wrong. silly yeah. word. Yeah, I know. <laughs> people are saying it these days. <laughs> I, I, I'm the I'm the worst. Like my, you know, I'm like, I couldn't be closer with Mike Blood, so he's one of my closest friends in the world. But this is something we fundamentally just like disagree on. Like right. I'm the world's anti-hacker. I hate these concepts of it's hacking. Semantics. You know, I think hacking it's like is putting butter in my coffee. Hacking it's like well, whatever. Right. What? <laughs> it's like I stretched this morning. And I yeah. hack. Like, it's what? Like, no. It depends like, who you talk to. Anyway, Dave Asprey, probably yes. Right. <laughs> uh, my my point is, um, it, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those areas right now where I'm gonna have to basically omit my answer uh, because ten years ago we didn't realize that the gut biome can affect your mood. Yeah. So it's like this. This to me is an is probably the sim a similar thing, but we're we just are ten years away from having a better explanation. So it would I think it'd be pretty silly for me to be like, oh no no nothing's going on there. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm not aware of it. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to scientifically explain it, but that's probably an issue of us not exploring it well enough, rather than it is no science. And so the the classic way to think about that is omission of an answer is not answered omission. Yeah. You know, so it's like just because we don't have an answer doesn't mean that's proof that it's not there. It's just we don't have an answer yet. So, uh, something I'd love to know if somebody knows more about it, it'd be great. But it's not my area, and I don't think we have a tremendous amount of information there. But I think it'd be silly to say, case closed, nothing going on there. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about like the gut biome in relation to the way it affects our mood, you know, and they call like our intestines or our guts the second brain or the cat sure. brain and all the yeah. dopamine and serotonin produced like. It's like, okay, cool. So there's a really important system in here that's affecting all the other systems of systems. Yeah. I wonder, do you have any sense with that? It's okay if you don't. I know that I'm kind of going like off various different wormholes, but do you have any sense of how maybe that second brain affects the contractile tissue? Have you thought about that at all? Well, no, I think the the really interesting question here is we know there's a direct relationship between the gut and the brain. Right, and I'm not the one to talk about that. You probably had people on that, yeah. that are experts sure, in that yeah. area. And we also know there is a direct connection between the brain and skeletal muscle. Right. In fact, the, we found out the skeletal muscle connection before we found out the gut connection. And this is when we started to realize, in fact, because we found out the skeletal muscle, that allowed us to figure out, we knew what to measure, we, know, we knew what muscle was extracting that was connecting or talking to the brain. And so then we started measuring those things and we started realizing, oh shit, that's coming from the gut too. And that's how we were actually to find, able to find the gut brain connection. Mm. To me now, the next step in committing that triangle is, okay, what's the muscle to gut connection? And that's the question. I mean, maybe somebody's <laughs> doing it, but I like, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, it's not my area. I know that there are some people trying to get down that field, yeah. but it takes time it takes a lot of money and it takes, um, it just mostly takes time for people to broach new fields like that because we know people, you know, some people say the, the gut is the second brain. People like me say, no, it's the third brain. That muscle is the first brain or second brain, but that's because I'm a muscle guy. Like yeah. I'm obviously completely biased, you know, away for that. But it brings up the point that we have a direct connection there. And if we want to actually zoom back out even further, which is probably what I've been doing more recently, 
I think it's actually silly to say that there's a first and second and third brain totally. when really we just have one giant system, right? Like we, I actually am sort of going against the idea of saying we should teach, all right, there's the endocrine system and lymphatic system because then it gets this idea that these things are isolated. It's a teaching tool. Right. It's not a reality. It's, it's a system that is useful, but it's actually not right. Yeah. You know, just like we said earlier. So, um, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff in that area to find out, but yeah, I think along with that, as you're saying that you're talking about like the gut brain connection and the gut muscle connection and all these yeah. different, you know, axes. And it's the exact same thing you're saying. It's a tool, right. you know, for our simple minds, simple but yet infinitely complex minds to, to be able to grasp what's going on in this organism. Right. You know, but you can see, you know, dance, I was reading recently about how dance affects, you know, the reorganization of our cerebral cortex and downregulation of activation of the yeah. needle and all these like expensive words, you know, that essentially translate into if you're able to chill the freak out, then all of a sudden everything, your whole, yeah. your endocrine system yeah. and your muscular system, all the systems are able to start to rest and digest yeah. and repair, you know, but they're all, all, it's all intercoagulated. The matrix yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I would love to say we're at a cool time right now in that respect, but I think we're probably a hundred years away, hmm. uh, in terms of, hmm. I think it's, it's very, very interesting. And there's, there's no surprise here. Why? Uh, I mean, pick your ancient practice, whatever one you want, Buddhist practice, yogi practice, uh, modern it, it doesn't matter like we've answered a bunch of these questions independently right yeah. and, and so pick your um we'll, we'll go with yoga right that's okay so we're stretching now so yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> okay so there are things that yogis have been saying for thousands of years that this does this if you do this it will give you this thing and i think it's pretty silly to say that a lot of millions of people haven't felt that right and so it's clearly been productive, but then when other people try those modalities, it's not effective, right? Well, the same thing with any other practice, right? But what's really interesting now is we're really seeing because of information exchange and experience exchange, there are these common themes between all of these different practices. And like, just like you mentioned, like, well, wait a minute, when we, when we relax, well, okay, maybe that method of relaxation doesn't, doesn't jive with you, yeah. but there's another way that it jives with me, but really all it's doing is getting at the same physiological place. And I think it's going to take us another, I don't know, 50, 100 something years before we can really figure out the research and figure out how to actually answer that question. I just, we don't have the computing power right now. Mm. We don't have the information exchange, but we're going to get there and be like, okay, it actually doesn't matter. This part of the process can be washed away, but here were the core tenants. And this is, this is the elimination of of the unnecessary stuff, which turns some people off, but this was the part that you need to get to. And so here are a bunch of options, but either way, we're just trying to get to this particular place because we know this is healthy. Yeah. Some of us are able to get there or some people are able to get there uh, with the cold. Some people can get there from there. Like we said that we were talking earlier, like a morning walk. There's a million ways you can get there, but I think it's tough to say that we all don't need that somewhere in our lives yeah. we, and we need to probably explore if it's not driving in one way uh, we need to explore different options until we can get there but the point is right now some so many people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. because so many of those terms are loaded or there's not science behind it and so people try to describe it and, and act like they have an answer when I think it's okay to say I don't know why it's working but what I have done is this with a thousand people and 650 have it, it's really helped. Why? I don't know. And like, I'm not an endocrinologist, so I'm not gonna try to convince you that I know what's happening with your hormones because I rubbed your shoulder. All I know is I did this work with you, we worked on this and X, Y, and Z all got better. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think people should be ashamed of simply saying, here are the results. I think maybe this is happening. But I don't know because that's where people get these conversations get let off astray. And then someone is able to, it's called the fallacy of the fallacy, which is a logical or a reasoning argument where, or it's a breakdown of logic where somebody makes an argument and they argue it poorly, or you're able to um, shoot a hole in their argument. That in and of itself doesn't actually dispute the quality of the argument. Right, and so you could be wrong about a topic or right about a topic, 
but your rationale could be wrong, but that doesn't actually change whether or not your comment was right or wrong. Mm. And so that's what usually happens with a lot of these conversations is people could make a comment about why their product or their, their training is working or, or whatever it is. And then someone could show very good empirical evidence that that's not happening. Well, that's actually not telling you that their treatment's not working. It's just telling you why they thought the treatment was working is not correct. They had the physiology wrong. But we just don't have the technology to answer all the physiology right now. So as long as people back off on that aspect of it, I think people would be much more accepting of these other modalities or non-traditional or whatever term you want to call all this stuff and um, without trying to insult any of it. Yeah. I think that's that's where the bigger issue is. And that's the place that we probably need to get to uh, of just not worrying about being right so much. Yeah. And you, you've got a cool perspective, I think, because you're a user as well. Right. You know? So you're actually out experiencing yourself and, you know, getting stronger and working with clients and like in, in other ways than just being a lab looking at, yeah. you know, the tartare of quadriceps or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's like the, the image that's coming up <laughs> in my head is with the scientists, for whatever reason, get this image of like a person running through kind of like a, you know, like a dirty path or whatever, stirring up dust. Mm-hmm. That's the experiencer. And then the oh, yeah. scientist is kind of behind, waiting for the dust to settle, right. and kind of putting the clues together of like, yeah. okay, this is this is this is the experience of what happened. But when you freeze it, you know, it's like myosin and actin, more just unnecessary expensive words. But we, that's all theoretical. The process of how a muscle actually contracts. Please correct me on this. No, you're actually right. Most people think that's like locked down and. But it's not. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. still very much trying to figure out that basic thing. Yeah. 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 There is no truth. There is only lack of perspective. Mm. So we think we've got something to be a fundamental truth, and that's only because we haven't been able to achieve a high enough perspective. And then we realize, oh, that's wrong. Go higher up, actually it's right. Oh, higher up, that's wrong again. Higher up, we're not, looking, we're not even asking the right question, shit. Right. Going up, 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 right. So <laughs> that's the way we, we have to, Carl Sagan, I think he said this, who knows the internet quotes, yeah. you don't know. <laughs> but science is a body, not a body of knowledge, it's an action, right? Science is a verb, not a noun, yeah. right? It's something we're doing. And so if we think we have an answer to something, we don't, we never will. That is actually the whole purpose. Science was, when, when Aristotle laid out the scientific method, it was a process, not an outcome, right? And so this is something saying, okay, based on the evidence, the available technology we have now, here's what we're seeing. So we think that you should take this direction with your whatever question we're answering. Yeah. But that's all it will ever be. It's, it's not an answer. And the, like, it's another common misinterpretation of the famous expression, like, I didn't know, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Yeah. Right? Well, people misconstrue that. That's not a question about quality. It's a question about quantity. It's a question of depth, right? And so the common interpretation of that saying is, okay, I first started, um, I've never worked out. So I first started um, doing some squats, and, I, and then I figured out how to squat, and I figured out how to deadlift, and I figured out how to bench. Okay, great. I thought I was an expert in working out. I didn't even realize I didn't know how to do all these other complex movements which are not categorized in squat, deadlift. Right? So that's how most people interpret that, that comment. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? Because I didn't even see there. But what that, that, that quote really means is, there is no way to truly know. So knowing is the depth of an issue. There is no fundamental right answer. There is no truth. We will never ever get there. That's what that quote really refers to, mm. right? And so you pick your, I mean, you pick anything that you feel like is fundamentally set. There is, it's, it's an absolute fact in this world that we don't, wrong. Yeah. There's just, I mean, gravity. We're still figuring out how that works. Right. Water is a big one. We're well. not even sure there's not multiple dimensions, right? We've got now a bunch of scientific evidence. And so it's like, well, okay, the laws of physics that we know them now, some people say, what do you mean? Those are absolute facts. Well, they are absolute facts here. Yeah. But as we explore the bounds of the universe, there may be places in the end or other out places of the universe where those laws actually are different. Yeah. So there's just, there is no truth like that. And so we have a problem when we have a merging between science and action, or when we try to, if either one of the parties are trying to make truth claims. Like, that's when we have issues, and that's when we have fights. Instead of simply saying, hey, we're really recommending this, 
well, okay, that's all I can do is recommend it. But there are going to be exceptions and times and people and, and situations when, hey, we don't see that happening. Um, we don't always associate information, too, with the difference between application on the individual level versus policy level. Mm. So the things that I would say to somebody in an interview on CBS are very different than what I would tell you in a one-on-one -on -one consultation, right? And so if we say things like, let's make a very easy comment like sugar, right? If I was, if I was giving an address to the entire nation for 300 plus million people and someone asked me about sugar, I would probably say, yeah, sugar's bad, don't eat it, right? Because for 300 million people, that's probably a good message to hear. Yeah, it's, it's good enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But if you came to me and you're like, whoa, 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 so that means eat no carbohydrates, never eat a vegetable, then we'd be like, all right, no, 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 that's, okay, that's not what I meant. Right. Like, let's talk about, and then the sugar's not going to kill you. You could have one scoop of sugar every day or whatever it is, you know, like you could mainline straight sucrose and you're not going to die, like right. you're not going to get cancer. Like, no, that's true. Yeah. And so it's a different conversation. We're like, what are we speaking to? We're talking national policy or information to the masses versus really in-depth conversations and so that's the problem when there is people are generally talking past each other yeah they don't really address like well, okay who, what do you mean by that who are you speaking to what's your as you said earlier what's your filter you're looking through with that on what's your focus of that yeah. what's your context oh now but we generally don't listen to people to respond or we listen we generally listen to people to respond we don't listen to understand mm. Right. And so that's the major problem. Yeah. That's the major problem with like, uh, podcasting as well, you know, uh, yeah. or any conversation, but dealing with your spouse, I mean, all yeah, name it, right. But especially when it's being recorded, right. You know, because it's like, Oh my God, I sound really smart here. To say yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, your job, right. You gotta get the conversation going, right. You gotta keep it going, man. Yeah. But so, uh, part of like the, so one of my prep things is you were talking to, to do exactly what you're doing, keep the thing going. But was uh, facts kind of being like coffins. I've heard that said before. I don't think yeah. I, it was that exactly, but something along those lines, like once it's a fact, it kind of puts it in this box and it's up on the shelf and we just let it, let it go. Right. Whereas it's like, I, I kind of more appreciate people like yourself right now where it's like, dude, everything is theoretical at this point. Yeah. Well, it's, it's classic. I wish I could take credit for that, you know, but it's, it's classic Popperinian, I think is the term. Um, approach to what science is right so science can never prove anything hmm. it can just stack a bunch of evidence against some things yeah it should be constantly disproving itself that's like true right. science right but in, and then of course in addition to that with every answer of course only a hundred more are on questions are unfolded right yeah and, and so that that gets people frustrated because they're like well then i guess like i gotta pay attention to it because i'm not telling what to do but it never can tell you what to do all it can do is say we think right now, based on what we know, this is where you should start. And that's another problem people have with interpreting science is it's not an answer. All it is is saying, in general, for eight out of 10 people, we think this is where you should start. Mm. And again, if we're trying to do something and we're trying to get information to 300, or, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be America, 7 billion people, I think if we're trying to say, hey, look, 5 billion of you are going to respond the best to this, I think that's very, very helpful. Yeah. But it's not helpful if you're the two part of the two billion who it didn't help. Yeah. And then you get frustrated and claim it doesn't work. Well, it didn't work. It did help. We just hedged our bets, right? We profiled, whatever you want to call it. And so we said, here's a general position to start. But by no means are we saying you all have to do X. Right? And so it's not that it's unhelpful, but you just have to interpret it a little bit differently. And so when a new study comes out or you hear a scientist say something, you should listen to that with an open mind and say, yeah, I've never actually tried that before. I've never had tried that approach. Let me go give it a go. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But then that's when you have to be aware of your body, when you have to have measurables, when you have to um, have some focus of, of what's going on with you and yourself. And then you can adjust from there. Yeah. As far as, so from your perspective, which is such a rare perspective, but actually getting to look at the biopsies and see the tissue yeah. at that level, is there anything that you have gathered uh, as far as say strength development or flexibility, I know there's two totally different, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe similar questions, but is there anything that maybe your perspective might differ from say like a personal trainers? Yeah. My, my general perspective on that, because of the things that we've seen in the lab, um, in particular and the stuff that we've, we've published are similar to what I just said. Number one, we have individual differences. 
So the way that science works is when we do a study with 15 people, we basically report the group average, right? But you're not the group. Yeah, average is such a bummer. You're I'm you. Like, <laughs> like, I'm so not. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're you. Like, you're not the average. And so um, one of the things that I that's made me think, coming back to, like, a very practical answer here is if we take basic guidelines and recommendations for how you need to train to get stronger, well, again, start there. But if you're not responding to that, you need to be like, okay, I don't work that way. I maybe need to go more volume or I need to go more intensity. I need to change a movement up. I need to go more frequently, more days a week, whatever it happens to be. And so what the science has taught me is the best interventions we've ever done, it still didn't work for some people. Mm -hmm. All right, it's not going to. So you have to be able to say, okay, I realize all the research said this, and I, I did start there and I tried there really hard, but now I'm going to have to explore my own body a little bit more and, and try things differently. And be, because even like the stuff at the single fiber level, the individual tissue, we, it's not, it's not unheard of for us to see a fast switch fiber that has more mitochondria than a slow twitch. It's not unheard of for us to sign a slow twitch fiber that's bigger than a fast twitch. Hmm. Right. So these things are physically possible and we see them. Not, not like all the time, but we see them regularly enough to say, um, well, these are just guidelines. <laughs> like, this is all this stuff is. You're going to have to play on your own, and you're going to have to be your own little experiment for the most yeah. part. Yeah. The, um, I was looking at your, your website. It's super fun, by the way. I'd recommend anybody checking it out. Thanks. I was going through all the, the five-minute physiology. Yeah. or what, what do you call it? Five-minute yeah, five minute physiology, twenty five minute physiology, and fifty five minute phys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, was, I went through and watched all the five minute ones, and then of I course you see, did. I you didn't go to the fifty five, did I'm you? Gonna, I'm gonna do it. Of relax, course you relax. did. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I went through all the fives, and then this the strength one. Do you have a longer version of the strength one? Which strength one? How I don't remember what it's called. How was it the physiology strength? of strength? Yes, or something I think like so. that. That was the one that I was like, I'm done the fifty five, and I was like, there's no other freaking fifty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so shame on you. <laughs> I have I have a version of it. It's not up yet. Okay, cool. I've got uh, hundreds of hours of those coming. Cool. Sweet. We just it's a bandwidth issue, man. Just yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. you. Know, time. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So they're cool. I would recommend. Um, what is what is the website? I mean, I'll, I'll it's just my name, AndyGalpin.com. AndyGalpin.com. Yeah, yeah it's up um, super fun. And um, the but one of the ones that I found kind of interesting, inspiring was was the uh, the like what is fat loss, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of this nebulous subject where it's just like, well, you do exercise and stuff and you kind of change. That's what you do. Yeah. yeah. Can you break in a little bit of that? Cause I think I just found that really interesting. Yeah. This is why people need to study in academia. People need to study physiology. I'm not saying you have to enroll in a university. Like that doesn't particularly yeah. matter. Go to andedgalpin.com. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but the point is, if you understand, uh, in this context, the physiology behind whatever you want, right? If you really understand physiology, then you can take this application to whatever fat loss, strength, any the movement stuff, like anything you're trying to get your physical body to do. The problem has been, number one, people never really teach the part of the physiology that actually matters. And they don't do it in a way where you can directly see that connection. And so that video in particular like I didn't do anything in that lecture than wasn't taught to me in basic undergrad exercise physiology class. Yeah. I just put it together in a story where people can see the connection, right? And then people, a bunch of people have copied it, by the way. I'm like, you fuckers. Like, at least give me credit. <laughs> I hear people all the time now on other podcasts and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. nice, yeah. whatever. Right. Um, but well, that's the nature of the world, though, right? Yeah. We're all staying on the shoulders of something else. It's like everything that I've said in this conversation, none of this is me. Like I just there said. There might be little sparks of like, I yeah. think that might have been genuine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just amalgamation. Right. Well, like I just said, somebody taught me that when I was in school. Right. It's like I surely did not come up with it my own either. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I would have had to been the first person to measure carbon and oxygen to come up with this idea. So yeah. I certainly wasn't. Thank you, A.V. Hill and right. you know, Harvard Fatigue Lab in 1930 right. and all the people before that. Probably the Egyptians before that. So, I'm just joking. joking uh, anyways, the, the point is, when we understand how the system works, then we're able to say, okay, again, it's not about repetitions or the exercise or some of the program. 
we're all trying to get to the same concept and now we can have freedom to get to that concept however we want. So to answer your actual question, the way that it quickly works, and I'm not going to go the whole thing, um, but is it's the exact opposite of a tree. In fact, did you ever uh, watch the TV show The Cosmos that came out a couple years ago? No, I, I'm familiar with it. I haven't actually it's really the, it's uh, It was the old Carl Sagan show that was on um, when we were kids, and they redid it. Neil deGrasse Tyson redid it. I didn't particularly like how a lot of things of how he did it, redid it, but they told the best in two minutes, they gave the best explanation of metabolism I've heard, like outside of my video. Cool. Of course, I'm just kidding. It's better than mine. I'll include a link to it because yeah. I want to look that myself. I'll it's really, really cool. The now, they just did it from the other perspective. They didn't do it from the human perspective. They did it from the plant perspective. But it, it, it's, it's both ways, right? So basically what happens is when you take a breath in, right, you're breathing in O2 for the most part. And then when you breathe out, you're breathing out carbon dioxide. And so carbon dioxide is CO2. So the difference between what you breathe in and what you breathe out is a carbon molecule. Well, if you know, if you've ever heard of the term organic chemistry, that's simply the study of things that are alive. And we basically define things as alive, whether or not they have carbon. Mm. And this is what, this is what we search for on other planets, right? Are, are there signs of life? Then we're looking for carbon, right? Mm. That's what organic chemistry means. Yeah. And so as a plant, we all know that plants breathe in like we're talking a tree, whether we're talking the algae in the ocean, right? They breathe in the CO2 and they exhale the O2, right? And we all know that's why we have to have trees around so that we can breathe and all these things. Well, when they inhale the CO2 and exhale the CO2, they capture the carbon. That's what makes them grow. Because fat, carbohydrates are simply chains of carbon molecules. And so when these plants capture the carbon molecules, they're simply extending the length of their carbon chains, which is quite literally extending their physical size. Right? This is what it does. If you look at how trees work, a tree will ingest <clears throat> the O2, and they will stack these carbons together. And then if you take, say, a, a little knife and stick a, cut a hole in a tree, if you go to the right tree, say some of those in northern Canada, you'll have this little sugary thing come out that we call maple. Right? What's maple syrup? It's sugar, right? It is straight sugar. That's all you're getting, right? So carbon, if it's in a six-chain molecule, like six carbons in a row, that's called glucose, right? And so all all plants uh, in your so a, a potato, right? A potato is starch. Starch is just a bunch of glucose stuck together. Mm. Right? Th this is the same thing. So they just they just took the maple syrup, and in trees they keep it as a simple sugar form. And in, plant, in potatoes, they like to store it in a little bit more packed form and call it starch. When we put starch in our body, or sorry, the human form of starch is called glycogen. So your muscle glycogen is the same thing. It, it is this, the potato starch. Right. This is the same word, right? In animals we, or plants, we call it starch. In humans, we call it glycogen. When it's in your blood, we call it blood sugar or blood glucose. When it's in the tree, we call it maple syrup. Right. This it, is the same thing. So when it comes to us, we are inhaling the O2, breathing out the CO2, which means with every breath, we are exhaling a carbon molecule. So how do we not shrink in size? We compensate that by doing what plants don't do, which is eating things. Hmm. And what do we eat? Carbon stuff. The plants. Right. Right? So we take their carbon and bring it into us, and that's how we gain our carbon. And so the more carbon I eat, the bigger I get. The less carbon I eat, the smaller I get. And so if I'm looking to get smaller, I do a combination of two things. I ingest less carbon and I breathe out as much as I possibly can. Hmm. So when we understand that basic relationship and we get to something very practical, okay, what, what, what's the perfect program for weight loss? Anything that makes you breathe more. Yeah. <laughs> right? Including, including Sitting down, breathing, like, like including, work. yeah. So, what yeah. would happen if you sat here and did this? <sighs> would you lose weight? Sure. Yeah, but the problem is, you're gonna hyperventilate, and so how long can you do this for? <sighs> not very long, right? But can you think of a situation when you are doing this and you're not passing out? <sighs> I'm thinking about sex, but well, like, that works too, else, yeah. right? <laughs> so I said, pick your exercise form, right? <laughs> 
And so that's why when we exercise, we lose weight. It's because we have put ourselves in a situation that has pseudo demanded more energy. So we break down our own body's storage of these carbons, cutting off one carbon at a time. And so our body says respirate, but we don't hyperventilate because we're not, hyperventilation by definition means overventilating when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. When we were exercising, we're not hyperventilating. Our rate of respiration went up, but it matched the demand we needed. So when you're sitting here and going like this, it's hyperventilation because it's overventilating more than you actually need for energy purposes. Right? But when I do it with exercise, I am matching my energetic needs, and so I'm no longer hyperventilating, so I can keep this up for hours at a time if I'm in a situation that demands more energy. Mm. Right? So that's all we really need to do, is put ourselves in that situation, or we can do a combination of it or however we want. And so when you're in terms of, of developing your exercise program, you need to find the type of exercise or modality or program that you like to do the most, and that you're willing to do the most frequently, and the willing that you're willing to do with the most effort. And in my mind, that should be probably a combination of different modalities. But if you hate running, you don't, and you're only running for the sake of losing fat, you don't need to run ever. Right. If you hate doing swimming, if you, if you want to do all high intensity intervals, that will work. If you hate those intervals and you'd rather walk for four and a half hours, that's fine. But if you're gonna pick the slower, lower intensity exercises, you just have to do it for a longer period. And it's gotta be a lot longer because you gotta match that total respiration. You gotta get the carbon out. Cool, sweet man. You gotta run, you gotta run back to where I'm riding yes. to as well. Yes, crush. We got, we got we got Ghostface Killer. Oh yeah, sorry. He's barking back there, no, it's okay. <clears throat> the one thing that I think would be interesting for you to, to look up, which you're probably already familiar with, but uh, have you ever heard of, of uh, the mycorrhizal network? So how trees are all connected mm. via via is, is was it mycelium? I believe. Yeah, the fungi. Yeah, the fungi. Yeah. You know, so they're actually all communicating each other. So the same thing we're talking about, like, well, it's the it's the tree. It's like, well, an even more meta perspective on that is it's the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're continually conversating with each so other. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll tie that story together. Yeah, please. Which will make a little bit of sense. So what I didn't talk about earlier is two things. Number one. Your carbon, your your sugar, your muscle glycogen are just chains of carbon, right? Well, your fat is too. So a fatty acid is a bunch of carbons chained together. So what makes it olenic acid or palmitic acid is how many carbons are there in a row? That's what a different fatty acid is. And where it's double bonded or not means it's unsaturated or monounsaturated or polyunsaturated, right? So the partially hydrogenated soybean oil, which literally means they had a fatty acid that was missing a carbon bond, they hydrogenized it, which is the bond outside of the carbon, meaning they bonded everything up nice and tight, Yeah. which means it's very hard to break down because it's very uh, secure as a molecule. Okay, now, that's fat and carbohydrate. So fat and carbohydrate are primarily, not entirely or only, but primarily there to provide you with energy, right? That's what they do in the, in the world too, in the animal world. The other macronutrient we haven't talked about here is protein. And so protein does a lot of things, but just you know, very quickly, the main thing, or one of the main things we're getting there is nitrogen. Okay, and so you eat your carbohydrate or your fat, and this is why you can oftentimes exchange fat and carbohydrate. Like, and you don't really feel that different, but you can't really exchange carbohydrate for protein or protein for fat. That doesn't work because we're, right. we're getting at different aspects of those things. And so to come back to your forest issue, The trees themselves, right? They need protein too, right? Plants need protein too. Look at broccoli. It's tremendously high in its protein load, right? Anything else. This is how uh, animals who are vegetarians can grow. They have to have protein. And so protein exists in plants just at a small level. And so they compensate by eating a ton of plants, right? This is why deer and cow like eat grass all day. Sure. So with the forest issue, the trees get they're carbon from the air, but they get the nitrogen from the ground from the fungi. Mm. The fungi right, right, right. get the carbon from the trees. Mm. And so they've found this symbiotic relationship that says, I need this, you need this, great. We as, as humans have found the symbiotic relationship saying, well, we need both, so we will eat plants and then we will eat animals. 
Okay. Yeah, a similar relationship, and this really is the last thing, but relationship with uh, reef and, and algae. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> same thing. Uh, we should just keep on doing this another time because this yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do people learn more about your stuff and find you? We already mentioned, but the link. Yeah, the, the website. Um, that that's an easy one. Uh, social media stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy. I'm not very good on Facebook, but Instagram, uh, Twitter, cool. whatever. Just at uh, dr Andy Galpin. Sweet. Thanks right so much, man. Yes. I appreciate it. Recording stopping now. Podcast. Thank you once again for uh, for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world. Uh, I utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that I do. Uh, chaga mushrooms every morning as I'm traveling. I always bring along some type of mushroom bl- blend for immune support and just overall vitality. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Tim Ferriss has been loving that. Sean Stevenson, I believe, from the Model Health Show as well, has been getting down on those. Um, so they are spreading like wildfire and I highly recommend you checking them out. Um, jump on to foursigmatic.com slash align for 10% off of your purchase. I can't re- recommend it more. Uh, foursigmatic.com slash align. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash align. And you will get 10% off of any purchase from Foursigmatic. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, uh, a couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, You can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, Anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link every time you do it we get something like seven percent of your purchase and it helps support this show it is awesome so great as well something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align that's a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash align and then from there that is uh, you get a free audio book from audible they have something like I don't know a bajillion different titles to choose from uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram I it's a huge book and uh, again all free no matter what size the book you get and that got me through I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really really amazing website uh, amazing service couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um thanks so much for reviews on itunes that's greatly appreciated and thanks just in general for listening thanks for supporting thanks for for spreading the word all right i can't express enough how much i appreciate all that if you guys ever have any questions or comments you feel free to email me directly at aaron at aligntherapy.com and i would love to talk all right see you guys Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.